1: looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: But that was also the days of the Reformation. In the days of the Reformation, the Reformers very much wanted to make sure that Scripture was Accurately taught, and that salvation was by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And those who didn't teach scripture accurately and didn't teach salvation by faith alone in Christ, they would then tell the world about their false teaching. And during that time, so many people died that the estimation of it all was over 50 million Christians died during that period of time. And by the way, I have all the documentation if you want. I'm not making this up. During that time, there were some other famous church leaders. One was John Huss, Hugh Lattimore, William Tyndall. You probably heard of him, maybe not Patrick Hamilton or George Wisehart. They were all martyred for the faith. I want to go back to John Huss, though. When he was asked to recant, he declined and he said, What I taught with my lips, I now seal with my blood. Now remember, these are the ones who read the same scriptures that you are reading and hearing today that were spoken and taught to the 11 disciples as the church was being launched. All of a sudden, when I read and hear stuff like this about people who are not going to quit for God, it makes whatever financial problems I have uh, not that important. The report from the doctor, does it's not quite as bad. Because no, whatever you do to me, I'm going to have heaven. Whatever you did to them, they shouted the victory to the Lord. And so that's because they learned one thing. This is the key. They learned that when they trusted Christ as Savior, that it was going to cost them something thereafter. And they learned to depend upon the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to be teaching about in just a moment. So you can't just do this by bucking up and getting around some people and kind of, I can do it, I'll take my stand for the Lord. It's going to take a supernatural courage that only the Holy Spirit can give to you at that last moment of your life. You'll notice that inside your bulletin, your worship folder there, we have a library there and there's a book that they're suggesting that you read. It's called Hudson Taylor, Spiritual Secrets. As you get to the end of the book, you're going to learn that his spiritual secret was the exchange life of allowing the Lord to work through his life, the Holy Spirit to to lean on him. And then you'll notice at the very end of his life, the missionaries that were in inland China were dying by the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens that his family did not want to tell Hudson Taylor because he was at the end of his life and very frail how many of the missionaries were dying in the late 1800s Because of the Boxer Revolution. They were afraid that that news would finally bring him to death. But Hudson Taylor came across a letter. That somehow the family didn't hide from him. And in it he was reading about the martyrdom of the men and women and the children. And these were missionaries that didn't just come from America. They came from all over the world because they wanted to have Chinese people in a closed country, a dark country. To come to faith alone in Jesus Christ they gave their life. He was found weeping and shaking when he read that. And his family came to him and said, Papa, can we do anything for you? Can we help you? While he sobbed at his hand, he says, This is so painful. I can't sing. I'm quoting. I cannot pray, but I can trust. And so, I want to be that way. And I have all the resources of the Holy Spirit. And I just trust Him. So pray for me if I take a stronger stand and I go more public and I come out of the closet with this. And I pray for you. But the good news is, we can stand until the very end as we look at those people that are our persecutors. And say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let me just move very quickly to this last bit of church history because you and I are living more the reality of it. There is another large religious movement today that's even larger than Christianity, and I think, frankly, it's the largest Christian movement in the world, and it's called the Muslims. That Muslim belief system, Islam, in the name of their God, Allah, they have a portion that will believe and practice the removal and extermination of Christianity. And to do that, they have to remove Christians, Bibles, and everything else. Now, am I saying that every Muslim believes that? I don't really know. If you call yourself that, then I would think they probably do believe that, and some really take it to the nth final degree. But there are a lot of Christians today that are just trying to live out their Christianity. They're not violent. They just want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ because it's the only way to have eternal life. And they're loving other people, helping them out, sharing that message. And then the enemy comes in and gets them. Now, what makes them stand so strong? The Holy Spirit. Go back, if you will, to John. John chapter 16. He says, Who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Verse 3. These things they will do. Why? Because they have not known the Father or me. Now you ought to mark that in your Bible. They're doing that because they know not God. They know not Christ. In other words, they do not have any of the Godhead within them. When you trust Christ as your Savior, we know that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. We're going to learn the Holy Spirit is in you, so you are partaker of His divine nature. And so you would not do that to fellow Christians, all right? But they would do that because they really know not God. So the best way to hopefully end that is to help them to know God in Christ. A little bit further it says in verse 4, But these things I have spoken to you, there's that, so that again. So the first thing is, so you won't be in the dark. And when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. I'm now telling you. These things I didn't say to you at the beginning because I was with you. In other words, I took the brunt of all this stuff for three years. You guys just kind of saw it kind of come on me. Well, I'm going to be gone, so all this avalanche of persecution is going to come on you big time, guys. So I kind of shield you from it. I didn't tell you then. But I'm now telling you, though. I want you to know this, that it's going to come. And you'll remember this when it happens. Well, the good news is is we can look back and see that these men stood strong all the way to the end. The only apostle that Jesus had that didn't die a martyr's death was, oddly enough, the writer. Not the author, but the writer of the Gospel of John, John himself. Although we do know that because he took a stand for God, they took him and they boiled him in a vat of hot boiling oil. He didn't die. They just wanted him to be so disfigured and so destroyed And then live out the rest of his life that way. And actually, I think that's when he wrote the book of Revelation. All right, verse 5, it says, But now I'm going to him, Jesus says, who sent me, which be the Father. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, Here's what I mean by that, so you don't think I'm thinking that Jesus is telling a lie. Peter and Thomas said to the Lord, "Ask the Lord, where are you going? But they didn't ask it the way he said it right here. They were asking it more like, Where are you going now? Are you leaving us right here? Where are you going? We want to be... So it was all about them, not about, Lord, where are you going? It wasn't like, it's about you. And that's why he's saying here, nobody asked, where am I going here? Where are you going? Like they really wanted to know. It was all about themselves. So verse 6 says, but because I have said these things to you, remember chapter 15, chapter 16, sorrow has filled your heart. Can you imagine the amount of sorrow that they're now having? The sorrow that the king of kings is going to leave? The the greater sorrow now that they're going to have to face this persecution? I want you to feel for just a moment, if you got the most horrific news in the whole world, you now heard that. You have cancer and it's terminal. And when you die, it's going to be a painful death, mostly alone, without any pain medicine. Your heart would be pretty sorrowful too. It would probably be trembling. And that's pretty much what they're hearing here. Now go to verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It is still to your advantage that I go away. Now why would it be to their advantage? Because for him to... Watch this up here. I'll describe it by doing this. If the ultimate is Christ to be glorified and he's going to get to the glorification, the only way that's advantageous to those guys and to us today is if on his road to glorification, on his road to heaven, he would go by way of Golgotha. You catch that? So he went by way of the cross. So it's advantage that I go. If I don't ever go, then that means I don't go to the cross. If I don't go to the cross, you don't have your sins paid for, and you're still going to get all this junk because you hung on to me, and you'll die and go to hell. That's kind of between the lines of what he's saying. So he says, I still have to go. It's advantageous that I do all of this. And so for you and me, for a moment, we ought to just say, Lord, I want to thank you for all the wonderful gifts, but I want to thank you for this. The gift of eternal life that's found in Jesus Christ our Lord and what it cost you for me to have that gift. That's the greatest thing you can thank God for in this whole world because that's what's the advantage to us. So it goes on to say here, this is the great advantage that I go away. And then he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. All right. Take a deep breath, everybody i got five more minutes to get through the rest of this outline. And I think that it would be wiser for us if we take a pause right here and invite you to be back with me next week. And I'm going to finish up the rest of this. But I encourage you to read through the... Don't pack up. Don't pack up. To read through this material. But I want you to read through this with a greater mindset of knowing that the Holy Spirit has been given to me to live this life here in victory, but also to stand strong when I, quote, go public with my faith for Jesus Christ. You've got to come back next week, because next week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being in us. We're going to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do to the unsaved world. Watch this, watch this. On our behalf, He already sets the unsaved world up for our coming for our coming with the message. Then I'm going to talk about what does the Holy Spirit do for us today just so we can make it through life today, how He guides us in three particular areas. So you want to come back for that so that you could understand, now I can stand strong, especially you kids that are going to be going off to college. I know you may be going off to a secular university and I I just want you to stand strong while you're there, but when you do and you do stand strong and you get that persecution, I want you to remember that right here, back in this little church in Honolulu, Nuuanu, that you heard about Jesus Christ that said he sent you a helper. And next week we're going to show you how he really helps you to stand strong when you want to go public for your faith. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and take a few moments alone with the Lord. Some of you, the, the thing you might want to be thinking about is maybe about where you're going to spend your eternity. We know we are all going to die when I face the families and the people at the funerals that I do, at the very end I kind of remind them that it takes a funeral and being at it sometimes when we see the ashes or the urn and the casket and the body of a loved one or friend, that for that brief moment our world shuts down and we begin to realize that we someday very likely will be in an urn or a casket in the ground or a crypt. That means we will die. And now we have to figure out what's going to happen after we die. Now some will come up with their own philosophy of life. My question is, how do you know that's right? And so that's the time for you to ask yourself, why am I here? And where am I going? And Jesus Christ said all of that to these dear men and told them what that message should be to a lost and dying world. And that message is that Jesus Christ is God. And when he said it, it was the only God. He is God. Not a God. He is God. He is not the mighty God. He is the almighty God. As the mighty God. And that he came to this earth for the express purpose of taking upon himself the sin of everyone 2,000 years ago. So he wasn't some martyr that died accidentally because he got a raw deal from the government or from the religious leaders. He was one who was born to die. He knew he was going to be the sacrifice. He knew ahead of time that he'd be, so to speak, the one that's going to have to step in front of the bullet for humanity. He came knowing that. And so when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he then took all your sin on himself then. If he died there, that wouldn't have been enough. The resurrection is what proved that he was God, the only one that had the authority over life and death and life again. And so when he finished paying for that sin in that split second of his death on the cross, the payment for our sin by Christ on the cross satisfied the requirement to God the Father that the sin was paid for because the only person who could pay for it was Christ. The only way it could be paid for was by a bloody death. And the only way that it was finished and accomplished was through the resurrection. So in a sense, your ticket to heaven and an eternal relationship with Christ has been paid for by His death on the cross. It's kind of like at Christmas. All the work was done by the giver. All the expense was done by the giver. The desire for you to have that gift is all done by the giver and his love for you. Making sure that you would hear about your gift was all done by the giver. He brought it to you today. You heard that Jesus died and rose again and the gift of God is eternal life. The desire for you to trust Christ in a certain sense that's also done by the giver because this is such a wonderful gift and He's placed it before you and He made it so easy that it wasn't by your good works or money. Or You just take it just as you are. Still a sinner, but with your sins paid for. But the one thing He can't do for you is He can't have you receive that gift. That's something that you need to do. How many times He's going to offer you the gift before you trust Him, before you die? I, I don't know. There's no verse in Scripture that'll tell you. This may be your only chance. There was a famous actor who died in a grinding automobile accident in his Porsche on Saturday. He's no longer with us. Had he ever thought he was going to die in that car wreck, burned alive practically beyond recognition, he'd have never been in that car. He didn't know. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to let you know the urgency of life and death And your opportunity to trust Christ and the very fact that those 11 men endured their persecution and died. That for 2,000 years others have given their life for you in a sense so the message would carry on to today. So my dear friend, would you right now where you are simply say to the Lord in your own heart and mind, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I haven't been too bad, but I also know that I'm still a sinner. And Lord, I come to you knowing that I'm separated from you and I don't want to die and be separated from you for all eternity. I know that I have to be perfect to go to heaven, but there's no way I'll ever be perfect because I already have sin on me. I'm, I'm already messed up. And so Lord, I come to you not promising you that I'll be good or I was good. I'm coming to you just as I am desperately in need of a Savior and that you are the only Savior because you are God who could do this for me. And so I believe you died and you rose again. And I'm trusting completely and alone in you. And Lord, you said that if I would believe in you, I could have everlasting life. And since you're a God who not only will not lie, that you are a God who cannot lie, then I believe it's truth. And so I'm trusting in you and therefore I have eternal life. Now my friend, I beg you to do this right now. You might have a lot of questions about this, that, and the other, about Scripture and even Christianity and all the rest. We all have questions. That's why we continue to come every Sunday to learn the Word to get those questions answered. But the basic question of what must I do to be saved is answered in this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. When do you get saved? The moment you believe. When do you have eternal life? The moment you believe. Can God cast you out of his family? Never. Will he ever take away your salvation once he's given it to you? No. He cannot. He will not. So if you're simply saying this to the Lord, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I'm coming to you by faith alone in you. On the authority of his word, he says, he that believes on me has everlasting life. You have it. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you do anything that would in any way make you think that you have to do that to get your sins forgiven or to keep heaven bound. But I'd like to pray for you. Now, me praying for you won't save you. But maybe today you'd just like me to know that you're trusting Christ. So in a minute I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now raising your hand doesn't do it. Maybe you'd rather do it more privately than that and you can just put on a card, just say, just put the letter B and put your name there. And I'll know B means believed. You believed in Christ. Maybe you want to think about it or you would like to talk to me. I'll be around as long as you want me to be around to help you. But Christians, this very message, salvation by faith alone, and the responsibility to get it out, through our personality, our life, the doors that the Lord opens for us. That's what it's all about. The rest of the stuff is to help us get our life more balanced and stable and strengthened and be a greater witness, so to speak, to the world. But our real job doesn't end at a better life here. Our job doesn't end until we are in heaven fulfilling the Great Commission. What a golden opportunity the Lord's given to us now at this holiday time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you told those 11 guys, preparing them emotionally as much as they could because they never experienced Christianity before. Reminding them that you will send them a helper, a helper. You yourself would be with them until the end of the age. You would be in them to empower them. You'll resource them. And that, Father, those 11 guys believed it with all of their heart, soul, and mind because they love you. And they lived it out. And through that, the church was born. The church triumphant existed for 2,000 years. And that, Father, we are sitting in a building with brothers and sisters in Christ as the true lineage of the church. And we thank you for that. Now, Father, I pray that as we partake of this bit of communion here this morning, that we would realize that we don't do this to go to heaven, but we do it because we know we're going to heaven. Now, folks, I want to pause in the middle of my Personal conversation with the Lord. And I'd like to invite any of you, if today was the day you've trusted Christ and you'd like for me to know, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. You won't stand up. No one's going to look at you. No one's going to come to you. No one's going to bother you. But when I continue and finish my prayer, I want to thank the Lord for you and the decision you made. So, is there anyone in here today that's ready to say, I believe that Jesus is God? He died and he rose again, and that by my simple faith in him, that's all that's necessary, and I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone in here that'll do it? Put it up, put it down real quick. Thank you, my friend. Let's now pray. Father, as we now bring our little time of prayer to a close, I I welcome this person into your forever family because they have trusted you as Savior they become your child, and you are their father, and that means we're their brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, we thank you. We pray that they would get a Bible and read it and realize that this book is not a book to take away our fun. It's not a rule book. It's a love letter from you to us. And help us to read it so we can know the lover of our life. And, Father, I pray that we would talk to you in prayer, not little stilted. Now and lay me down to sleep speeches that we find in the back of... Cards and booklets and pamphlets. But that we just spill our our heart unto you, Father. Knowing that you're our dad. You're our Abba Daddy. You love us. And then, Father, help us now to begin to share with others what happened to us this morning. So I pray for this one. And that, Father, that we'll be there for them as they're on this new wonderful journey of walking with you. Father, we thank you again for your greatness, your goodness, your word, your Son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.